Thanks for calling Toyota. This is Jan. I just adopted a new best friend, and I'm looking for a Toyota so we can make the most out of summer. With a new RAV4, you can take your pup for a drive up the coast. You can take a Prius to the park. Or you can take a Tundra to kayak at a remote lake. One problem, Jan. Oh? My new best friend's a cat. Your summer starts here, but it all ends June 3rd. Toyota, let's go places. Dealer inventory may vary, so you're participating Toyota dealer for details. Visit your front-range Toyota stores today. Toyota, let's go places. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, Patrick, your teeth feel clean? Very. Very clean. It's because you got that Sonicare going on. You got the Sonicare. How'd you know? Well, I think you've mentioned it before <laughs> once or twice. That's true, actually. I believe it has been mentioned. And I know another way that everyone else can feel just as clean as you do. And if that's heading over to our partners over at Green Mountain Dental Group, located in Lakewood, they are the best damn family-owned dentist in the metro. They're extreme Colorado sports fans just like all of us. You can schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam, and you will receive a free Sonicare toothbrush so you can feel just as clean as Patrick Lyons. Make sure to tweet us when you go there. Tag them, tag us, show them in this community uh, that you're some of their biggest supporters, which also makes you some of our biggest supporters. Again, if you schedule a cleaning, x-ray, or exam, at Green Mountain Dental, you will receive a free Sonicare toothbrush at Green Mountain Dental Group today. And this Go. ball in the air, deep right center Go. field. Two-run home run, Trevor Story. Way back, Myers, watch it go out, Nasty. Two-run home run, David Dahl. And Nolan drives this high in the air, deep left field. Take a good look, you won't see it for long. I don't want to lose your love tonight. Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast presented by Strava Craft Coffee. Remember to use that promo code DNVR20 and you'll get 20% off your entire purchase of that CBD infused, deliciously rich, potentially life altering. It was for me, Strava Craft Coffee. I am your host, Drew Creaseman. I am the managing editor of DNVR Rockies. With me is DNVR Rockies beat writer Patrick Lyons. And on today's episode, we're going to talk pitching. We're going to talk about your Colorado Rockies starting pitching. We're going to talk about your starting pitching prospects. We're going to talk about 
starting pitching in the draft. If you can tell, I am hyped. Patrick, are you hyped? We're just a couple of days away. I feel we're, we're hours away at this point from the draft coming up here. June 10th, we're going to have live coverage, and this is a technical term, out the wazoo. How you feeling? Yeah, we are approaching the 48-hour mark until the 2020 MLB draft. And yeah, I'm very excited. This is a, a draft that we've we've put a lot of time and, and effort into. And most drafts, you know, a, a lot of people don't put that much effort into it at all because, frankly, it's the only one that falls smack dab in the middle of the season. And even when the Rockies are playing in an unimportant game against the San Diego Padres, it's seemingly more important to most journalists and baseball fans, frankly, altogether than the MLB draft because these guys have a long way to go until they make it to the show. But it'll be fun now where there is nothing else going on and we can actually focus on the draft, the process that goes into it, and look ahead to the stars of tomorrow. Yeah, it's going to be exciting. So like I said, we're going to dive into the pitchers. Uh, Before we do that, we do want to talk a little bit about the latest news from Major League Baseball. So I always have a, I have a difficult time qualifying. I guess this does count as news because it's a it's a more concrete proposal, but it's also well, it's it's just that there's been yet another proposal, and it seems like every time you know we dive into one of these, it's a fun conversation uh, about a reality that we more or less know is never going to come to pass. And so we don't want to overdo it, but we do want to talk about it a little bit. Uh, Patrick, there were a couple of things that came out today. One, uh, just that the owners have now suggested a prorating, but 70% of the prorating of the 50% of what they said they were going <laughs> to. So, so now everyone's got their calculators out trying to figure out exactly what percentage of their actual salaries uh, ball players are set to make. Uh, of course, the haggling over the number of games uh, continues to, I think, be sort of the center of this. And then some interesting thoughts about a postseason format. Um, Initial thoughts here. You know, my initial thought is that I think we're getting a lot closer towards coming up with a resolution. I think think for right now, MLB, they are, whether they know it or not, they're putting all their cards out on the table. They're making it very clear what their bottom line is. And it's, you know, we know it was about money. And for the Players Association, it was too. But now we're seeing what that money looks like for the 2020 season overall as a whole. So we, we recognize the fact that if you want a 50 game season, you are going to save yourselves a lot of money, but what are you doing to the history of the game? What are you doing to single season records? And if a guy hits 400, where's the discussion? Where's the debate? The 30 major league baseball owners do not care about that. Yeah. And that is, that's frankly sad to hear. Uh, and, and frankly, rather, it's sad to, to have that confirmed because I think in many ways, you know, the, the bottom line is is about money. Sure, they, they want everyone to be safe and, and for things to be done the right way. But at the end of the day, you can hit 400. Sure, you've got the record. We don't care that you did it over the course of two and a half months. And we're not going to most likely have baseball by the 4th of July, which is a real shame, a real missed opportunity. And uh, as for the playoffs, you know, that's where the owners are going to are going to get their money. And I, and I think overall that's their thought is fine. We'll, we'll give you maybe a little bit more than we want to, but we know that come the playoffs, that's when, you know, we'll, we'll get to keep everything. We'll get to keep the entire kitty. So 
You know, it's 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 Kits frustrating to see the kitty and the caboodle, the caboodle and the kit, as I like yeah, to say. Correct. Yeah, yeah, right. And 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 so they they might come to a deal in 2020, but as our buddy Dan says on, on asks on Periscope, does that mean we're going to be that much closer to a work stoppage in 2021? And and that very well could be the case. The simple answer to that question is sadly yes. It doesn't it doesn't guarantee that there will be, but it increases the odds. Um, it's as simple as that. And, and the players aren't going to just totally forget, <laughs> right? This, it wasn't that long ago. Um, what's going on here? And, and Patrick's right that whether it's the integrity of you know, records of seasons past or just the integrity of this season and, and whoever, and, you know, I'm not a fan I'm, I'm with, if you've heard our guy, AJ Hafley talk on the app side about, is there an asterisk on this season? He's been great about going on Twitter and saying, no, a championship's a championship. And when all the best competitors in the land get together and decide these are the rules for the championship this year, whoever wins it is the champion. That's what it is. And and I'm, I am of that opinion and will be if they only play 50 games. But it won't be as good. That You will know in your heart as a baseball person that – it takes more than 50 games to decipher who the best teams in baseball are. It, if it didn't, <laughs> we wouldn't play the, as many as we do. And, and as we've even pointed out, I mean, look back to last year, a season where the Colorado Rockies end up being considered, you know, this massive disappointment, everyone's feelings going into this year. But if the season had stopped after 50 games, the Rockies would have been in the postseason, I think. I'd have to double check that. But I think that, I mean, they were right in there at that time. It was right there at the, I think the early part of June. And yeah, it, it's so much different too with, with the NHL and the NBA because they had much of their season. I feel like a, a strong majority. Right. They they right. more than halfway, right? They both had their All Star games, right. so you've got that factor. You also had all of the players playing at a time tr- in which trade deadlines. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's right. going to be a lot of interesting implications for MLB. Yeah. But with the NHL and NBA season, they they played as if it was going to be a full season. Right. The fact that it was cut short was it was an unknown. It was an unknown thing. Whereas here in MLB, they are already starting up, knowing the fact full well that hey even if we get half of the season, right? Even if there's a way to play 81, 82 games, it's like, well, shoot, you know what? If, if we're bad for the first month, maybe we start to shut it down just a little bit or if we're bad for, you know, six weeks, whatever it is, there's going to be implications. First six weeks of the NHL and NBA season, that meant nothing because look, there's this many more games left. There's 60 some games left and you play as if there are 60 more in, in MLB after those six weeks, you know that, hey, we're, we're kind of already past the – maybe we're past the point of no return, and that's that's going to change things a lot. And again, as you said, with the trade deadline, like what, what's going to happen with that and can teams load up? Also, another interesting piece um, that's being reported with the owner's proposal is that there won't be ultimately any qualifying offers. So that means that after the, the 2020 season, the Yankees could – you know, go after, you know, Mookie Betts. Uh, they could go after a bunch of other players. And and assuming that the uh, soft cap that's already in place, if, if none of that is changed, 
they would not lose any draft picks. So that right. means powerhouse teams that go out and sign players, they are not going to, you know, be losing any picks or even mid-market teams that were looking to kind of take a step forward, they would not suffer any penalties. And so I think that's good for you know, the players association, that'll be good for, you know, free agency and, and there not being any limitations on players. But overall, you know, the, the owners are really just trying to gear things uh, in their favor as much as possible. And there will, there will be some negative ramifications. There will be a couple teams who take advantage of it. And, and rightfully so there's, if you want to take advantage of the rules that are in place, that's, I think that's just, you know, smart business, right. Right. frankly. Right. If you've got more resources um, to put into Latin American countries like the L.A. Dodgers and you're getting some of the top international free agents available, you might as well do that. Right. So, you know, not knocking anything of, of, of what the owners want to do as far as that's concerned. But, you know, there's just going to be so many ramifications that we're not really going to understand until you know, after the season and really until after the next CBA gets negotiated, because I think that's part of what you're seeing the owners do. They want to try to start opening up some doorways or start punching holes in, in different areas here and there so that when they get to the table in December of 2021, they go, well, you know, this thing kind of worked out really well that we tried, right? We tried it. So we know it wasn't the worst thing in the world. Let's open that hole up a little bit more let's yeah. make the doorway a little broader yeah. and again it it keeps the players association down so i think the players are really hesitant to you know allow for those things to happen right now but i think they know that there's a there's a lot more at stake so hey let's let's figure it out and if if they want to take a couple extra bucks out of our pocket right now the greater good is is coming back for the game and so it'll be interesting to see how the players respond to this proposal. Yeah, it, it really will be. There's one last part of this I want to talk about before we get into our pitching conversation. Part of it's going to have to be, because look, if they're going to do this, and, and here's my plan, here's your tradition, right? For postseason baseball, you got to order your Breck brew. You got to swing by the farmhouse and get that 15-can sampler, or you can get just a 15-pack of the Mile High Copper Lager. I currently have both of those things in my fridge as we speak. Uh, that Mile High Copper Lager is quickly losing weight. I will tell you that much. <laughs> now, so you order some barbecue, maybe some wings, burger, whatever you're feeling from the farmhouse there. You help them out and check this out. Use the code DNVR. You get five bucks off the whole thing, the beer and the food. So call them at 303 803 1380 from 12 to 8 p.m. Use that code DNVR. You'll save five bucks. And if you do this around postseason time, which is what I very much intend to do, especially considering on whether or not we're allowed in the building when baseball returns, that remains to be an interesting uh, question to be answered. What will it look like? And we've got Joel Sherman tweeting, and I'm just... I'm just going to read this. I, I'm not going to try to state it in my own words because it is a mouthful. So here we go. <clears throat> he says, MLB asked for 16 teams to make the playoffs, eight in each league. The plan calls for one to play eight, two to play seven, etc. in a best of three first round. Right now, five teams make it in each league. Initial proposal asked for seven. So they're going for a bigger number at eight. 
and having it play. It's the NBA. It's how the NBA playoffs work. <laughs> There's eight teams in each league. One plays eight, and uh, so on. I, you know, I haven't been able to give much time to this uh, consideration. Travel has always been an interesting one uh, that impacts the Rockies more than most teams. Uh, the Diamondbacks have it a little bit, but uh, you know, with travel, you know, again, assuming you make it. But uh, other than that. I don't hate this format for a one season thing, especially if you're only going to play 50 games. I'd, I'd need more time to think about it again, Patrick, your sort of initial takeaway here. Initial takeaway is uh, that is, it's not good. I don't like, <laughs> I don't like a team that is, you know, the, the eighth best team in the national league is correctly, correct me if I'm wrong, is below average. Typically. The average yeah. of, uh, a halfway point of 15 would be seven and a half. So if you are one through seven, you're in the top half. If you are uh, eight through 15, you are in the bottom half. Yeah. I got into a really weird and fun. I thought it was fun. I don't think the other person thought it was fun. Ultimately debate years and years and years ago about what it means to be a mediocre baseball team. And they were talking about a team at 500 being mediocre I said, actually, that's maybe not true. And the funny thing is, again, because baseball was designed by sadists and masochists, um, the average record of a baseball team is below 500. And that's absolutely fascinating. <laughs> it's like, no, actually, if you're at 500, even though that feels like it's the middle of the pack, um, you're you're slightly above average, and even then, uh, I you can't be a 500 baseball team and make the postseason. Since we've been introduced to the wild card game, you you can't you can't go backwards from that, right? The, the whole purpose of the wild card game was to say, okay, besides adding an extra playoff team, but it takes those uh, takes the fourth and fifth best team. They've got to throw out their their best pitcher, and, and for the most most part that's been the case right maybe it's your number two because of how the season falls out but those two teams end up doing battle they are weakened because of it and now the team that is top seed in that league has a bit of an advantage and they should get that benefit because they've they've played an entire 162 and they've they've they have the best record right for example you might have to throw Herman Marquez in a game 163 to try to win that not have him you had to throw Kyle Freeland in order to win the wild card game in Chicago. So you roll into Milwaukee with Tyler Anderson as the NLDS opening game starter. And that's because you didn't win your division. That's, that's by design. And that's, and I think that that's fair, right? That's exactly how that played out. And under this, and under this uh, proposal, that means the eight seed has the exact same rights or same leverage right. as a, a, the second or third best team, right? And they, they just have to win, win a short series. Yeah. So it, it could create some real uh, unfortunate situations, to say the least. And, you know, one of the, the questions that might even be the biggest one of, of them all that I haven't really heard addressed is the fact that NHL and the NBA, they want to finish their season and during the warm months of the year, which we've somehow decided, Oh, there's no such thing as Corona now that it's, it's warm outside, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. but uh, they're doing it in the warm months and they're doing it in a single site right. or the, the NHL, they're, they're going to have a couple hub cities. 
as MLB, they want to travel. They want to be all over the place for some reason. And when it comes to October, when scientists all believe that COVID-19 will come back, we can keep our fingers crossed all we would like, but uh, I do trust science. Then what does that mean? What, is, what does that mean for the playoffs? And if, again, what, what, is, what is even home field advantage if you're the one seed? No one might even be allowed in your ballpark by that point. Right, and right. playoffs have to be pushed to either a Cactus League in Arizona or Grapefruit League in Florida. Well, then now there's literal no home field advantage of even sleeping in your own bed. So I think there's just way too many questions that MLB kind of needs to answer. And we're getting to the point now where we got we got to finalize some things. We got to yeah. figure out when this guy is going to go to spring training 2.0. Where is it going to be held? You know, I, I'm I'm okay with with the teams in Texas being allowed to have some fans at their ballpark because their state says that's allowed. If they have that bit of an advantage, that's okay. That's not the end of the world. Good for those folks, right? As long as they're being safe, good for them. Enjoy it. Enjoy some baseball. But there's just too many other questions that that really need to be answered in order to take this proposal seriously. Exactly right. And and that's why we can't spend uh, too much more time on it. Something we can spend an endless amount of time on is WGT Golf. Oh, yeah. Spend just days, like literally can lose track of time playing WGT golf because it is the most realistic and loved free golf game in the world. Over 20 million players, including the two of us, everybody on the DMVR stuff, just about, I think, everybody who subscribes to DNVR, DNVR the, the country club is huge. If you haven't joined it, do so. You can come find us. It means you can find someone to play and talk sports with anytime. Find a fellow Rockies or Broncos or Abs or Nuggets fan, someone who's all of those things, play a little uh, virtual golf with, with them, and you can do it whether you, you want to play closest to the hole, full stroke play. Uh, you can do it world-famous golf courses like Pebble Beach, Bethpage, Black, St. Andrews, and more. So make sure you go to dnvrgolf.com. You download it again. It's totally free. It's a whole lot of fun to play and to try to master. And, uh, yeah, it's just a good time for everybody. Let's get into our draft talk. Uh, I do want to dive into the pitching. Let's answer this question here, though, from the Periscope. First, Blake wants to know, uh, kind of two two-part question here. One, when and how can we expect the upgraded analytics to pay off? Is it in this draft? And can we expect management uh, to make moves? Jeff took so much heat passing on in the offseason. I'd like a little clarification on which type of moves you mean for that second one if you're still around, Blake. I can interpolate uh, if you don't have one and and try to answer that for you. The first, uh, I would just say that, um, yeah, I I would imagine, and and I don't know that either of us could fully tell you you exactly how uh, they're now, again, they, they, they're putting more of an emphasis on analytics than they have before. How much people want to give them credit for that versus what other teams do continues to be up for debate. But what's not up for debate is that they're doing more of it. And as such, it, it, it has to be a part of this element of what they're doing, to be sure. So, um, you know, I think we'll know better once we see who they take, um, especially uh, if they do something really weird, if they go off the board, if they grab like a high school bat, I'm going to feel like, you know, whoever their analytics guys probably got out talked in the meetings. 
Um, but what do you think, Patrick? Do you think they're they're going to take a more analytic approach to the draft this year? I mean, they really did make most of these additions to staff just before the season started. So, in a sense, I'd I'd be willing to give them a pass on this year's draft because in order to analyze something, you need data. And uh, (laughs) for anyone just tuning in, uh, there is no baseball data uh, for the past three months now. (laughs) So it's kind of hard to, uh, to analyze, you know, no information. So, you know, that, that, that's a disappointment in that sense, you get a pass, but maybe they do it more on the back end. I think anywhere they go in in the first round with their ninth overall pick, they're going to grab somebody with, with immense talent. You know, there's, there's, there's no draft that you can look back at, you know, at least in the past 25 years and in the modern era of the draft, so to speak, that any other GM could, could look at in the top 10 and go, what are you thinking there? This guy is a bum, right? Like that, that just, that doesn't happen nowadays. So I'd give him a pass. And on the other hand, I I would um, also say that, you know, frankly, they were, um, we're way too late for implementing, you know, th- this analytics department. You know, they were they're on the back end of it. They 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 need to get ahead of things. They they need to, you know, be innovators. And in a lot of ways, the Rockies are are not doing that. They are they are waiting until everyone else has already made the decision, before all the seats are taken, before they they pick theirs. And so, just because they're finally, you know using the analytic department or created one or really just trying to, to get it going off the ground, you know, good, but you should have done it probably about a decade ago. True. I will say in case they're listening, they, I do know the Rockies have had an analytics department. I've known all four of their names for the last several years. Um, and, 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 and I think they do very, very good work. They're just, they're just obviously limited. Uh, in their resources, but I, but I, uh, their voices have been heard more and more, and I see those people with the players um, having open lines of communication more regularly. And, and and the most positive thing that I've seen out of this, actually, and and honestly, Blake, to, and I, and I see you, you know your follow up. Can they do some of this to address some of Nolan's concerns? I really don't think so, just because of how long. It takes, you know, unless their goal is to draft someone super high end with that ninth overall pick and then trade them. Patrick talked about that possibility on uh, a recent podcast we did, where if you take someone with a uh, with a high end talent, you can't trade them immediately, but before the, they're likely to get to the big leagues, and then you could acquire somebody, you know, maybe in the middle of next year, and that could be interesting. But um, you're unlikely to get someone who's going to immediately impact the ball club in a way that I think Nolan's going to, you know, care that you're happy enough with the draft. The thing I think analytically that's been the most positive move in that direction is the story that's come out. And I do believe it was Nick Groke uh, over at the athletic, our, our good friend there uh, who wrote about uh, particularly Charlie Blackman and the need to, to take a different kind of hitting machine and a different approach out on the road and to really tackle the hangover effect and be super aggressive about it. And then you look at the numbers for the Rockies on the road. It's a small sample size. We're talking about two months of hitting well on the road. But um, uh, David Dahl brought that up again in an interview he did with some of our other friends over at John Boy Productions with Jake Story and and Jimmy talking about 
Um, David Dahl was a big believer in it. I'll tell you that much. Whether you know, so whether you're into it or not, and that's that's a very analytic thing. This coming to terms with the Rockies having this specific problem on the road, reading those numbers, saying we need a, a specific thing to attack that, implementing it, and letting the players. I think I think that's one thing that the Rockies could maybe do a, a little bit better than some other teams is letting the players drive that. But they, the data guys, have to have their voices heard. Man, they have to. Yeah, and and going back to that, they they do a fantastic job, and you know there are those conversations that go on. And if the follow up question is, well, what about in this scenario, or what would happen if this, and if the analytics department they doesn't have the answer, it doesn't mean that they didn't do their job. It just means, well, unfortunately, we don't have that data because of the budget is right. as such, and right. and it, and they're limited. So again, yeah. that's no slight on on them, and. But but ultimately, it, it has a, this trickle down effect, and it's it's one of those areas where you can invest, and it it, it will more than pay for itself. Absolutely. All right, let's dive into the pitching stuff. Very excited here. We're gonna do as we did with the catching. We'll begin at the big league level, and then run through the prospects. Then give you a couple of the guys in the draft that we're most excited about. Of course, you know right now you've got. Your top three, uh, even with everything Kyle Freeland went through last year, I think everyone agrees that John Gray, Herman Marquez, and Kyle Freeland's places in the rotation are pretty well cemented. Um, Antonio Sensatella is who I've got in there at number four based on how he finished last season, how he showed up at spring training this year, and my gut hope slash belief that he has kept that body in shape and is really ready to take his career to the next level at 25 years old. Um, I think mentally he's got all the makings of a good pitcher. And now that physically he's gone to the next level, I think we could see some things. So what do you think of that top four, Patrick? We're good. Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, can't disagree with you there. Um, especially when you, when you think about the upside. Yeah. There are questions with Kyle Freeland, no two ways about it. There are questions about Antonio Senzatella, but when you talk about, pitchers who have proven themselves at Coors Field and in purple, those guys are, are three and four right after John Gray and Herman Marquez. End of discussion. Absolutely. Then I see a pretty clear sort of grouping of three guys who are battling for that fifth rotation spot and sort of generally in line, depending on how their careers go one way or another, to either cement themselves as a part of the Rockies rotation in the future, or maybe start to fade away. Uh, we've got Jeff Hoffman, who obviously has been uh, all, almost all potential and, and very little results. We've got Peter Lambert, who's barely seen the cup of coffee at the big leagues and was so good in the minors, but has not yet looked good in the big bigs. And Chichi Gonzalez, who's maybe a more high floor, low ceiling guy, but has also, I mean, he does have high draft pedigree. He, he's had the, you know, the surgery throughout, really finished strong last year. Uh, in that grouping of three, who do you think was winning out that fifth rotation spot as it was, you know, as we were looking in spring training there? Uh, how do you think that was going to play out? Yeah, my, my guess was that it was going to be, you know, Chi-Chi, just because, you know, Lambert, had had options and you know he can obviously 
developed some other abilities down in Albuquerque as it is. Uh, it's not quite Coors Field Light. It's it's Coors Ice. I don't I don't know. I'm sure if that's a product, but it could be Coors Ice. It's 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 a it's a hard ballpark to yeah. pitch at there in Isotopes Park in, in Albuquerque, and and Jeff Hoffman just frankly uh, didn't get it done. You know if that that meant he was going to be the long reliever and kind of take over Chad Bettis's role. So be it. If that meant you know cutting ties with him altogether. Um, you know so be it because I think you got to have the the top five best starting pitchers that you can there. Um, I, I do think Chichi had one more option, so there there was that potential to to flow Hoffman out there and 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 see what they could get out of him. And you know again with Lambert getting hurt, that that created a lot less depth and a lot less battling for for that that final spot and you know you certainly don't want to think that john gray or, or marquez or freeland or senzatella are going to get hurt but if one of those guys do then you can go ahead and, and call on chi chi so you know hoffman definitely it, it was his spot to lose and you know i i think i think he did lose it so yeah he you wasn't know, pitching mom yeah but I, I think, yeah, I, I think you're right. I do think he, the one thing they might have thrown him in the bullpen just to not lose him, I could yeah. see that. And and there's also no clear long reliever slash eighth man in that pen right now. There are a lot of options, a lot of interesting ones, but Hoffman um, could have fit in there. And I know some people have thought, you know, he might work out better as a reliever too. I don't know that the organization's ready to just cut him, but I also don't, I'm with you. I don't think they were super high on having him in there as their fifth guy. But that's your grouping of three. However it pans out, that's sort of your immediate depth at starting pitcher. Uh, there are a few notables in the organization. Uh, the highest rated prospect is Ryan Rollison, uh, who still uh, has yet to – did he – no, he's pitched at high A ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he was pitching, and he did make big league camp and was pitching out against some big leaguers at uh, spring training, was getting a good look. You could see Bud Black wanted him in there against, uh, I believe, I'm 99% sure it was the Cubs starting lineup, but, I mean, it was Bryant and Wilson Contreras and those guys, and uh, Rollison did not look scared. He's been sharp. He's expected to be a fast riser. I still don't think we'll see him this season, especially now with all the time that's been missed here. Um, but a very intriguing left-handed arm. Big curveball, was very polished, put up some impressive numbers. In he just kind of ran through Grand Junction, Asheville, um, Lancaster pretty quickly. Expect him to start in in Double A if that ever exists again or whatever. <laughs> yeah, no, he he does have a he does have a huge amount of upside, and he's again one of those guys that you got to hope that the lack of minor league season doesn't negatively impact his growth because there's without a minor league season, you know, he would have he would have been fantastic out there on the East Coast pitching in Hartford. He would have been he would have tore up the Eastern League, oh, no man. two ways about it, which would have meant his age twenty three season next year in twenty twenty one, he would have been in triple A. Well, as it were, he could essentially be going from high A to triple A without any, you know, experience against, you know, some better and more polished hitters. So, you know, that it, that's a really good question that I would love to 
you know, get some, some of the experts opinion on is, is who makes the adjustment better, whether, you know, whether we're talking about prospects or major leaguers, is it the, the hitters that, you know, show the growth quicker and, and adjust to the pitching or is it the pitchers that right. while during their downtime, they are the ones that start dominating the hitters. I, I would tend to think that, that maybe the hitters would actually have slight, a slight advantage uh, at this point, especially when you're talking about uh, a limited spring training 2.0. Right, right. Go get in the cages and all that. Yeah. And Joe Kelly breaking windows and stuff, not quite doing it. Uh, below Rollison in terms of overall ceiling and, and what you might call prospect hype, and, and I think Patrick and I both concur with that, is a grouping of three pitchers I think are very interesting who could provide some major league value. Uh, as soon as this season, or were expected to before things got weird and crazy. Not super high-end, but potential here in Jose Mujica, who we, of course, know was an off-season pickup who had fantastic numbers in AAA before having to have Tommy John surgery. Ryan Castellani, who's been a slow-burn prospect in the Rocky system for a long time. Uh, a reminder about taking high school pitchers with a great deal of stuff, and, and he continues to be interesting. Last year, though, was just plagued with injuries and, and poor performance, and he just hasn't quite put it all together at AAA yet, but I still think um, there could be something in Castellani, uh, who's still only 24 years old. And then uh, the late bloomer, Ashton Godot, who's 27 years old and still hasn't pitched in AAA yet, uh, but at AA last year really put things together. He's one of the best pitchers in the league. Uh, his performance, in fact, was so good that the Rockies promoted the pitching his pitching coach. <laughs> That's how amazing uh, he was. It's more complicated than that. But uh, what do you think of these three guys? Uh, do you have uh, a favorite? Yeah, I think Mujica's got the the best upside of, of those three guys. That's, you know, Breidich definitely talked a lot the, in this off season about, you know, looking around on other rosters and saying, man, this is a guy we would love to have and, and, and plucking them out of, of other organizations. And, and really we've seen via trade, it's, it's only worked once with Herman Marquez, but there are guys that, that you covet. And Mojica has been one of those guys for Colorado and, if, if they're able to, you know, help him get through those uh, injury issues and uh, the Tommy John surgery, you know, he's, I think has the best upside. Goudeau, you know, may have uh, the best floor overall in general in that, you know, again, very late bloomer, finally got his act together last year uh, and in a major way. He proved himself again in the Arizona Fall League uh, over the course of 15 or so innings. So, you know the the stuff is definitely there. It'll be interesting to see if he can continue to make that growth as a you know twenty eight year old uh, by this point. So it'll be uh, it'll be super interesting to see what he can do. And 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 you know he could be a guy where out of the bullpen he could you know mm. be be a big setup um, you know reliever for the Rockies and 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 provide value in that way in Castellani. You know, you 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 said it pretty well. You know, when you draft a high school arm high, they've got that much further to go. With a college arm, even if there there's not a ton of upside, you know what you've got, and they've already essentially proven themselves in in a ball, so to speak. You know, if you pitch in the SEC, um, <laughs> in in baseball, and and we know what it's like as far as them being a power five school in football, but 
Same applies for baseball. If you're playing in the SEC, you are you're just playing against these stacked teams, you know, every single weekend that you're playing. And so, you know, you your pedigree is 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 that much stronger. So, you know, Castellani did it, of course, against high schoolers in, in Arizona and you know, he had really good growth uh, up until you know, I think a couple of years ago where he had to repeat double A. So, you know, that was that was pretty disappointing. But, you know, he's still a young guy and, you know, a lot of opportunities still for him yet in the future. Yeah. And, and you also used a word there, a key word for both Godot and Castellani. Big, they big boys. They could play for the Colorado Raptors, I think. Now, you might not see that looking on TV. They might look skinnier than they are. I thought... Godot was a big, tall, skinny boy. And then I saw him in real life. He got some muscle on him. He could get out there, I'm telling you. Now, he might get knocked down. He's pretty dang tall. You got to be stockier to play for the Colorado Raptors. But if you want to know more about that, you got to check out our podcast, the DMVR Raptors pod with Colton Strickler, teaching you all about rugby, doing some 101 pods, breaking it down, doing interviews with the players, running through some old games. We've been doing the watches on the weekends. They've been absolutely phenomenal. It's just a blast of a game to watch the explosions of energy, the excitement, the physicality, um, the relative safeness of it for a game that's so physical, you see a remarkable few number of injuries. I, I think guys just know how to protect their heads because they don't wear helmets. It's, it's just a fascinating game all the way around, and I enjoy every second of watching it. Uh, I believe you will, too, if you give it a chance. Also, they've got super fantastic merch. If you're watching us on the live here, you can see their logo up on the screen. You get yourself some shirts, some sweaters, jerseys. Uh, with that logo on it, with those colors, you look great. You represent your city. You represent a sport that could use a little representation that's growing, that's on the rise, that literally just added another team. You know how I learned that? Because I read about it on DNVR Raptors, and I follow their Twitter, and you can do the same. It's a whole lot of fun. It's another sport we expect to be coming back here before too long. Infinity Park is gorgeous, so as long as things are safe, I hope that uh, we can be out there to see some rugby here pretty soon. Check out the DNVR Raptors podcast as soon as you're done listening to this. You'll have a good time. Uh, so beyond those pitchers, there are a few other intriguing guys in the organization. One that we just don't have a feel for at all yet was last year's first pick, Carl Kaufman, who uh, literally has not pitched yet as a professional. And so talk about a guy who's really feeling the burn because he wasn't able to pitch at the end of last year, which obviously not knowing that all of this was coming was probably a, a wise thing to do. You don't need to rush a guy uh, if there are any kind of issues to pitch half a season at, at rookie ball because you brought him in. You start him at low A or, or even high A the next year with someone with his kind of college experience. But now you just have this pitcher out there just hanging out um how, where and how do we rank carl kaufman at this point yeah no he he still has a lot to prove uh, as he's proved nothing as far as a professional <laughs> all goes. Of, he has all of the not things. his fault yeah no. not not his fault of course he no. was the friday night starter for um university of michigan team that you know they don't make a lot of college world series and and he was their guy he was their ace pitched deep into the postseason in fact, he was, he was, uh, had started one of the, the early games in Omaha 
And that was a day where Buddy had decided, hey, why don't you guys just come into my office? So we didn't we didn't have our, our daily scrum in the dugout. We didn't do anything like that. We we hung out in his office and <laughs> and we talked and 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 he had some, you know, a lot of great words of, of praise right after the draft, talking about, you know, the the University of Michigan righty and um, I know Colorado is really excited to kind of get him into the fold and, you know, really, really see, you know, what he can do. And, you know, yeah, this will affect his his growth just a little bit. But again, uh, it remains to be seen how this is going to impact Major League Baseball, because, you know, while a couple hundred guys end up getting released just about every June to make room for new players in the draft, you know, there's going to be older players that are going to be moved on. And so younger guys will need to fill their spot, whether they're ready or not. And I think in, in a lot of ways, you know, you could see the, the same general progression of players through the levels. You, the numbers might not entirely be there and you could see, you know, guys coming up before they're entirely ready and they may need to, you know, get those reps in that they've missed in 2020. It, it may not factor in until 2022, 23 that they finally, get caught up and they do it at a major league level. So I, I think that's probably a, a decent timetable, um, you know, for, for a righty starter like Kaufman. I see a lot of 25 year old rookies here in, in a couple of years. I think that's going to be pretty common. A few other guys of note, uh, of course, Riley Pint and Matt, Mike Nickerak are both still in the organization and both still throwing in the high nineties. Um, Pint can still touch triple digits, but neither of them can hit the strike zone. And so until they can throw strikes they're they're just, they're just there. They're just, you know, at this point you, you can't do much. They've even, you know, tried pint as a reliever for most of last year and, and the results were the same. And so until those are two guys right now, just until they start doing it, not much you can, you can put stock in them. Yeah, you can never have enough starting pitching, and, and right now the, the Rockies simply don't have enough, and there are very few teams that would probably say that they, they do have enough, you know, because even when you got five really, you know, quality young starters, or if you've, you know, you got Max Scherzer in your starting rotation, you might not be young, but you know what you've got there, you know, it's it's hard to project and, and, and look in the, into the future and, and gaze into your crystal ball to, to see what's going to happen in, in three years' time, or find out who's going to need Tommy John surgery. Or find out, you know, who who basically, you know, loses command of a third pitch and is going to need to go into the bullpen. So, you know, the, the Dodgers were a team that I know a few years ago, it, it seemed like they were eight starting pitchers deep. And, I mean, Julio Urias needed to go to the bullpen. Well, he ended up, you know, needing some surgery. And, and he's missed a lot of time after, you know, coming onto the scene as an incredibly young starting pitcher. So you, you just can't have enough. And, and it... it you can't say it enough, and and the Rockies are definitely one of those organizations that are going to need to bolster um, their starting rotation staff uh, for the next couple of years to come via the 2020 MLB draft. 100%. Want to do a couple questions before we mention the last name and then get into some draft, guys. Uh, our guy Dan again asking, does Bud buy into analytics? He played before they were relevant. and Does it skew his judgment? Uh this is my best read on Bud Black's view on analytics. He is not uh, antithetically, he's not, you know, aggressively against them in any way. I actually think that he's grown more and more uh, interested in them. Uh, he's just a, a curious guy. And so, 
you know, one of the things he's talked about is evolving on different issues. He was against instant replay, and then he came around on that before it was implemented. He's been very open-minded. In fact, he's given me multiple positive interviews on, yeah, I think we should have an electronic strike zone. To my knowledge, not too many. I don't know. I'm not saying none, no others have. I'm just saying I don't know any other MLB manager that's gone on record that positively about the electronic strike zone. Um, so I, I I don't think he's like against newfangled ideas, right? I do think he he thinks he knows there are certain elements of pitching that you're just not going to be able to measure. And he's probably right about that. Um, but yeah, no, I, he strikes me more as somebody who wants to have as many tools as possible available to him. And, and I'll even say this, when I asked the question in our year end meeting with all of the media, this was the question I asked, which it was about analytics. And I, I've said this before on the podcast, I think. I really wish I'd have directed it at Dick Monfort as well. But you could almost see in Jeff Breidich and Bud Black's eyes when I asked the question, they were like, yes, Drew, we would love to. We would love to do more of that. We would love to be able to spend. You could almost see him side-eyeing the third person who was there. <laughs> you know, And so um, I get the sense that Bud Black would like to use more of the analytics, that he's pro his guys going to driveline. He's talked about that. They've done more of those kinds of things, bringing the Rapsodo machine. He's big into that. Like, Buddy, he's into all of that. Whether or not he's got the natural mind to... You know, if he, I don't know that he's on the cutting edge of it, but I don't know, Patrick. Do you think I'm? What's your take on that? Does that sound fair to you? Absolutely. He, you know, data allows us many times to see things that we already know, and it allows us to to see even more than that, right? Kind of almost almost peer into the future a bit and and, and make projections that can be pretty accurate. And there's there's evidence behind that. In fact, one of the things that I know Baseball America and, and, and a lot of, forget them, and actually all, many MLB teams actually um, use this a program that takes evaluations that, that scouts may have on, on players and, and the write-ups, and they search for keywords, and they look for that overlap. So, you know, you can look at a player and, and kind of have this comp and say, oh, Spencer Torkelson reminds me a lot of Pete Alonzo. Well, the word choice that we use to describe certain players and, and the grades that are given and, and the different skill sets for prospects and amateur players, you can go back and try to find those comparisons and say, hmm, the things that we're saying about this guy are identical to what we were saying about this guy. And man, that really worked out. Now, when you've got all world talent, like, like so many of the guys we're going to see in the first round on Wednesday, you, ne you don't necessarily need that. But if you're talking about guys that are going to slip to the third and fifth round and in years past and in years future, guys that are 10th round picks and 20 round picks, you say, well, why is this guy only the, the 20th, you know, is, is a 20th round selection? Where, where is, is he just only a, a 600th best prospect if he's, you know, got a division one pedigree and he's got power to all fields and yeah, he, he, he swings and misses more than you'd like, but his, you know, profile sounds a lot like Sam Hilliard's and well, shoot, we, we saw what he was able to do throughout the minors and, uh, in, in a short amount of time in September, maybe we need to move this guy up. Maybe we need to make sure that we take this guy. So 
you know, analytics and, and, and looking at data and, and crunching numbers in that way can help you find things that you can't just naturally see on your own. Can prove those things and prove other things that you've yet to see or you've yet to even put your finger on. And I think any manager, and we're seeing it from Bud Black, can really appreciate that now. Enough time has passed by where it just becomes accepted. And, and to fight against that is, is really futile at this point. Absolutely. So, Patrick, 5 o'clock Mountain Time, Wednesday, June 10. We're going to be live on air for probably three, maybe three and a half hours. There could be the worry of chafing. There could be the possibility of discomfort. Of course, I say could because there's not going to be because we got Manscaped. And if you're going to be sitting down for three plus hours watching DNVR's coverage of the MLB draft, you might be moving around in your seat a little bit, but you're going to be stuffed in there. You're going to have your Breck bruise. So you want to be manscaped so that you're not uncomfortable, that you smell good, that you feel good, that you feel clean. You get that lawnmower 3.0 comes with the LED light to make sure that you can see everything you're doing, which is good when you're operating down there with the family jewels. It also makes sure that you're going to be totally nick free. Even if you couldn't see it, you could probably just close your eyes and use the thing. It's that safe. Don't do that. But still, you could probably do that. You, what you absolutely can do is use the promo code DNBR20. You'll get 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com. Free shipping. And you don't just get the Lawnmower 3.0. You also get an assortment of cool stuff, including some deodorant, some shower gel, some spritzer, all things that are going to make you smell fantastic. They're going to be appreciated by you. They're going to be appreciated by everybody around you and anybody who may be paying special attention to you downstairs. So these are all things that are good for everybody involved with making you feel good. Use that code DNVR20 at manscaped.com. You'll get 20% off plus free shipping. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's get in. It's going to be a, a lot. It's going to be a beefy, beefy podcast today. But we've got more to get into here because we're talking about the best pitchers available, or also just some of the most interesting ones, because we'll talk about some of the later picks too, in this draft. Let's begin with the two guys at the top that we're both most interested in. We, we've talked about them a little bit before. Patrick, I'll give you the floor first here uh, to talk about your boy, Max Meyer, out of Minnesota. I very much like Max Meyer. He's a guy that... You know, when we first started digging into this, you know, uh, several weeks back, uh, over a month ago, he was maybe uh, in the teens as far as where he was projected to go. And although there haven't been any games, you know, the more that teams sit down and, and talk with him and have these Zoom interviews, they're, believe it or not, it's, it's happening for these players too, a lot. And, you know, some of them are making a big impact. And, and some people are saying, well, shoot, let's, let's go upside. Let's go upside and, and not necessarily worry too much about some some other intangibles. And Meyer is a guy that has that upside. Now, he's not as tall as as you'd probably like to see from a guy that's that's going to go almost assuredly in the top ten picks. He's only six foot even, but he's got three 
top-notch pitches. He's got a great fastball in the high 90s. His slider is the best in the entire class. A lot of guys have been asked in, in interviews I've heard, like, all right, you got a good curveball. Um, Reed Detmers is a guy we'll talk about in a minute. He was asked, you know, Reed, your curveball is fantastic. It's one of the best in the draft. If you had to to, to trade pitches with anyone, who's, whose pitch would you take? And he said, I got to have Max Meyer slider. Yeah. So it's that good. And he's got a change up to boot. So I think worst case scenario, Meyer, you know, could be a guy that, you know, almost is, is Scott Oberg like where, you know, maybe he's a setup man, potential closer. And you go, shoot, that's all you're going to get maybe out of the ninth spot, or he could go as high as five. That's all you're getting. We'll go over it on Wednesday, but you know, they're, they're, draft picks are no guarantees it is a crapshoot right there there have been very few drafts in the history of baseball where all of the top 10 picks have even made it to the majors right listen to that they've just made it not made an impact but have had a minimum of a cup of coffee so there are guys that are taken rockies fans you know (laughs) Greg reynolds and that might pain you a little bit well with max meyer you're not getting that you're getting a guy that Maybe he doesn't project to be a starter. Uh, maybe, maybe he doesn't make it successfully. But I think he's got all the tools to be successful in the bullpen, and you'd be getting something of value for that. Yeah. And as Patrick's saying, I, I, that's, a, that's like a worst-case scenario. That's a fallback yes. plan. You know, I've, I've dubbed this guy Small John Gray. I love the stuff, the, the fastball-slider combo. The fact that the changeup plays a little bit, uh, the the body type honestly doesn't bother me as much as it does a lot of other people. Uh, I don't care that he's small. Um, yeah, I honestly, I you sold me enough, and I've, I've I've looked at the video enough that I think if he's on the board, uh, you take him. Uh, I I think that at this point, my only question is, is he? It seems almost pretty likely at this point that he'll be taken before the Rockies have a chance to. But I, I think he's the best balance. That, and this is going to be sort of the theme of the rest of the conversation here as we move over. And we'll continue to talk about all of these guys together here. But Reed Detmers had sort of been my number one guy. And, and if he's still there and Max Meyer isn't, I still really like Detmers here. But he doesn't have the the 98-mile-an-hour fastball and the wipeout slider. He's got a great curveball as Patrick mentioned, but, um, you know, he has a similar profile to, to Ryan Rollison in that way. Um, but he's got a fastball that's topping out in the low nineties. He's not going to blow you away with his velo. And even, you know, the scouts have said he's probably got a ceiling as like a number three guy in a rotation. Um, but much more faith that he will reach that ceiling and that he's closer to it than a lot of the other players in the draft. And so with Myers and Detmers, especially if they're both on the board, this is kind of your decision, right? Do you want to go with the more elite talent in Myers, who has this really interesting, you know, fallback plan, or a guy like Detmers, who, you know, best case scenario is Kyle Freeland and and you know, worst case scenario is you name him, Tyler Anderson, who actually that that would be a, like a like a middle case scenario. Um, Tyler Matzik, the guys, the Rockies, the lefties with big bodies, Detmers, 6'2", 215, you know, sturdy kid. Um, but, you know, a lefty that doesn't have overwhelming stuff that has to pitch in the zone. 
Um, he does get strikeouts now. We'll see if that continues without the overpowering fastball. But as a more sure bet, being naturally more risk-averse, I think is the reason I like Detmers. What's your read on him? No pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> What's your read there? Hey! Oh, we're throwing him away early. <laughs> there we go. A little later. There, there it is. So my read on Detmers is is very similar to that. It's, it's so strange really digging into this draft and, and looking who's available. And there's so much depth with the college arms to say that in the ninth overall pick, you're going to take a guy who is going, who projects to be possibly a number three starter. You go, what? No, that's, that's a guy that you, you're going to take with your fifth pick is going to be a number three starter. But what I've heard a lot in, uh, in the reports on Detmers is he's a guy that's going to have as long of a career as he wants because of his, his command abilities. And, you know, when, when you think about that and then you talk about comps and you say, well, what is better? Well, and I'll, and I'll ask you, what is better? Yeah. Max Meyer, who's a guy that again, lacks the size, but has those three pitches where you go, man, he could, he could be, he could come out like a bolt of lightning, somewhat like a Tim Lincecum back-to-back Cy Young awards. Oh, now you got me excited. Flamed out after a decade flamed out and don't he's care. now what 34 years old and he's retired <laughs> he retired at like 29 <laughs> or you do you go would you prefer to have a guy like reed detmers who and this is maybe being overly dramatic has a long career like a jamie moyer there it is who granted when he was on colorado he was 49 years old at that point but you go back and look at the seasons that he had with the seattle mariners and his, his mid-30s and was just just a reliable guy and and hey he's you can have a conversation about him being a hall of famer just like you could about tim lincecum being a hall of famer so which is better what would you rather have tim lincecum or Jamie Moore. Right. And, that, and that's a fascinating question because like you, you look at the Rockies pitchers who have been uh the, the Rockies have kind of split guys into that. You could say, would you rather have Ubaldo Jimenez or Jorge De La Rosa? Would you rather have the guy that comes up and it just dominates for three years and then his arm falls off his body and he goes to it's Baltimore and he's yeah. a reliever and he's you know done? Or De La Rosa, who never full-on dominated, but did the thing for a long time. And, you know, obviously, I think if you can get De La Rosa, you get De La Rosa. But also, if you can get Jimenez, you can get Jimenez. It's a, it's a tough question to ask. And you look at the Rockies' power pitchers who've worked out over the years. John Gray was obviously targeted, was a top pick, and has been more or less what we thought he was going to be. But guys like Ubaldo Jimenez, Armen um, Marquez... Um, you know, even Pedro Estacio back in the day, um, haven't come from spending big resources or being even huge as prospects once, once they were stateside. Um, they've been able to find those guys a bit more. So, man, you, you can go. It, it really is a toss-up. This is the tough question that, you know, scouting directors and GMs have to ask themselves, do you want the guy, and and it, like especially if you look at the rotation right now, if if you if you I could magically teleport one of these two players two years into the future, um, 
and just put the profile that we're projecting here of Reed Detmers. We were just talking about it, right? That fifth rotation spot being this giant question mark. If you give me a guy that's solid, I don't need him to dominate. Just go out there and don't lose us the baseball game. Marquez and Gray will take care of the front end of the rotation. You know, that's so intriguing. But in two years, John Gray might not be on the team anymore. And Max Meyer is a John Gray replacement. It all depends, you know? Yeah, I think, you know, I know I was the one who asked the question, but my answer would be <laughs> you'd, you'd want to go with the Max Meyer, Tim Lincecum. I think so. Uh, I think of so. the two, right? You want a guy at his peak that could, you know, lead your staff. Uh, to my knowledge, I don't think Jamie Moyer ever won a World Series, whereas, you know, Tim Lincecum was was able to win, you know, three. Three. Mm-hmm. Granted, by the time, you know, he won his third, you know, wasn't as impactful. Keep in mind, Jamie Moyer was originally drafted um, by the Chicago Cubs, and in his, you know, three years was, you know, he, he pitched all right, and he made a quarter of a million dollars with them because when you come up, you you make league minimum for those first three years. So for the best of his abilities, uh, in those those three years, you know he got paid minimally. But Jamie Moyer, where you know he made all his money literally and figuratively with Seattle over eleven seasons, was worth, uh, according to Baseball Reference, thirty four point two WAR, but was paid fifty two million dollars for that. So again, you're. You take Jamie Moyer and you say, wow, he had a good career, so we had a nice draft, but how much impact did that have on your team, the team when you had him? him. Right. Yeah, right. conversely, with, with Tim Lincecum, he made $24 million in his first five seasons, four of which he was an all-star, two of which he was a Cy Young Award winner, and those last four seasons, so outside of his rookie year, he received Cy Young Award votes. He got $24 million for that. Well, the final five years of his career, when he was worth little to no, actually he was worth negative war, he made $75 million. Yeah, yeah. This is, yeah. this is all what the owners look at and they go, man, we hate free agency. We're paying for a guy for what he did, not for what he's going to do. Yep. And that's what the MLB draft is. is you're going to pay a guy and pick a guy for what he's going to do. Right. It's crazy that we don't focus on that. Right, right? Want to focus on free agency and who's going to get a guy past their prime. That's more exciting than let's look into the future and see what is this guy going to do. The possibility. So we're what? going to do that. We're going to do that on Wednesday, and that's that's what makes all this you know all the more exciting. Hundred percent. So what, Patrick, is this guy going to do? And by this guy, I'm talking about your boy, Mick Abel. I like Mika Bell. Um, you know, he's he's got a great frame. Um, heard an interview with him. He sounded incredibly polished. Like, he, he did not sound like a high school kid. Granted, he's going to turn 19 uh, in a couple months from now. But, you know, he sounded great, you know, coming out of uh, the Portland, Oregon area. Um, he's a little raw, but, you know, he's he, he was a guy that, that shot up a lot of draft boards. And, you know, he's, he's committed to the University of Oregon who, you know, they don't have a big, you know, resume of, of players that have come out of there. They have, it's a little bit different than, you know, the SEC with, with schools like Vanderbilt in particular, where those, that's a factory that guys 
you know what? I don't care if you're going to take me in the middle to the end of the first round. I'd rather go to Vanderbilt and guarantee that money at the front of the first round, like Kumar Rocker did. So, you know, I, I think he's he's going to sign. I don't, I don't think he'll end up at, at Oregon. You know, I'd, I'd, I'd be hesitant to, uh, to, to go after a high school arm. You know, I, I know I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm coloring it with a, with a, with a broad stroke, but any of those high school guys with that ninth overall pick really has to make tough. you worry. It's, it's, it's tough. He's, he's 18. He's about, to, he's going to be 19 here soon. Um, I just, I see the highly projectable frame, the stuff that he's raw, um, and I see Riley Pint again. He's what? He's six <laughs> five or something. It's just like it's. I, I love it, but then I, I just go. And it's everyone's different, and this is where your scouts got to do their due diligence, man. Because you got to believe in this kid if you take him. Because if on a surface level, if it doesn't work out, everyone will do what I just did. How after Riley Pint and to some degree Mike Nickerack, um and, and some of these other just super raw, highly projectable, great big guys who throw real hard are you going to take before you realize it, whether they're not developed right uh, it, within the system, whatever it is, it's not working out. Whereas they're college pitchers, you may have heard of John Gray and Kyle Freeland. And yes, Tyler Anderson didn't hang around for too long, but he helped a, a team win a wild card game um, and get to the postseason was a big part of that team. And it's like the college track record is just so much better, but you're you can't paint with too broad a strokes either. If if he's the best pitcher available, I could see it. Um, my boy. Here now, if we're if we're talking stuff, no, but we're going college. Lefty Garrett Crochet. Um, again, there are things about the profile that are giant red flags. There are things that make you go. Woo. Uh, and the big one is that he's a six foot six lefty who can dial it up to 98 miles an hour. Like that alone, just that's a raw, rare set to have. And, and you go and you see that he does have college experience. Um, he's one of the older players in the draft at 21. He pitched at a, at a Tennessee. Um, the slider is also supposed to be pretty good. He spent some time as a reliever, so you wonder, you know, hey, if it doesn't work out for this guy, it's kind of like Patrick saying earlier about Max Meyer. I see this as a lefty version of that. If he's dialing up to 98, he's got a wipeout slider, and it turns out he can't develop a third pitch, and he, he you know, he, he just doesn't develop the stamina for a full season or, or to be, remain a starter. You could have Zach Britton or something like that on your hands. Not, doesn't really have the sinker, but as a big body lefty with overpowering stuff who could pitch as a setup guy or even as a closer um so i like garrett crochet and, and another one of the things i want to mention and with both detmers and crochet is of course the rockies extreme lack of quality lefties in their entire organization uh with kyle freeland and ryan rollison really being the only guys of note yeah yeah there there's definitely a, a lack of depth as far as left-handers go, but, you know, Crochet, I've, I've soured on just, just a little bit, you know, going back and, and looking at some of the tape. I know he, he's a, a player that, that some actually even believe that, you know, should there be a 2020 season, you could call on him right now. Now, granted, it doesn't mean he starts the 2021 season in the majors, even as a reliever, but you could, you know, possibly use him right away, right? With, with two pitches, 
you can get the job done out of a bullpen. So uh, I just know his track record isn't as strong as you mentioned, you know, was reliever when, when he first went to Knoxville and, you know, started one game this year. That's it. Three and a third inning. Like that's, that's all he has. So he did. So, I mean, how it's hard to, to really project and say, you know, what, what you saw last summer was, was, some of his best stuff or if it was that an aberration, you know, can he continue to do those kind of things? So again, a lot of questions with him. I, I think he's a guy that, you know, he'll be available at nine, no doubt about it, but he'd, he'd be another one of those guys you pass on and he's definitely not going to be available at 36. Right. Um, and, and he's also talented enough that I'm not sure uh, you'd save a lot of money either. So I, I don't know that you can, you know, double up. And we've talked about the, some of that strategy before, maybe a little bit, but he, he's probably going to get paid. But that is the answer. And I want to I want to be very clear about this. The possibility that this happens is incredibly slim, but that is the only answer to the question we had earlier from Blake. Like, what could they do in the draft that might somehow impact this whole Nolan Arenado situation? This is one of the few guys who, like, if you did rush him to the bigs in a relief capacity and it worked if it blows up in your faces it, it does nothing in fact it, it goes the other way and, and hurts you even more um but if he showed up as a 21 year old and started blowing some guys away and helped the rockies in a short season it's something they desperately need which is a lefty who can blow guys away out of their bullpen um that could go just because the end result would be the rockies are having a much better year that could help He's probably the only guy uh, who that's a possibility for. There's also the chance that you become the laughing stock of Major League Baseball for doing something so desperate. No, but that's a fair point. Is that you know whether you draft a, a college hitter or, or a pitcher, a pitchers obviously can can make an impact on the major league level a lot quicker, as we said, you know, going to the bullpen. But that's something that you know players can latch onto and say, "All right, wow, there's there's more guys." coming right like you get a high school guy you're like oh man i'm gonna have to show this kid the ropes a little bit down in scottsdale in a couple years and we're not gonna see this kid you know for a long time maybe i'll shoot him a text and say hey whatever you need you know but right right but ultimately it's it's just like all right well that that doesn't affect me at all it doesn't really affect this team now and in the next couple years anytime you draft a, a player it could impact that team via trade but Ultimately, you just look at the man and say, you know, more more prospects are not traded than are. So right. you, you take a guy, you go, all right, this guy's going to be a part of our family for a while until he screws something up. Or if, if we force, you know, our, our organization's hand, and then at that point, you don't know if it's going to be the, the 2020 kid that was selected or somebody from years past. So, again, a college player, I think, sends a, may, might send a, a better message to the clubhouse like, hey, we're we, – we want to get on the track and even if you have to take a step back this year and yeah, we, the only technically free agent we added was the guy that was cut from the 40 man roster of the Rays because it was you know, an injury issue. Okay. But we're, we're getting ready to gear back up in the very, very near future. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. A couple other guys that are in that range sort of projected to go in the top 20, but could fall. What are your feelings on Jared Kelly and Nick Bitsko? Jared Kelly is going to be a very difficult sign. Again, two high school arms that um, that will not should not factor in for the Rockies. But Kelly is he's a player that there's going to be some teams that have a lot of extra money, uh, like the Royals, 
Orioles for sure. The, the teams ultimately that have uh, that compensation pick uh, from 30 to 36, they've got some extra pool money and they're going again uh, in the beginning of the second round. We see that with the Rockies. They've got the 35th pick and the 46th pick. Yeah. Well, Orioles and Royals are two of those teams. They, they've got picks in the compensation round and then they're going to go again early in that second round. So they can play around a little bit. That was some of the discussion is that, you know, will the Orioles, you know, take a guy who maybe is, is closer to a ninth overall pick for the Rockies and save some money there and go after and say, you know what, Jared, you are not going down to Austin, Texas. You're not going to play with Troy Tulowitzki as one of your coaches. <laughs> You're going to come to Baltimore. We're going to give you some good money. We're going to give yeah. you, you know, upper first round money and done done deal and, and the Orioles end up end up getting two really quality players for the price of one I agree with your assessment there the Rockies have been according to Kylie McDaniel of ESPN and I want to say maybe his prospects live I've been watching so much stuff sometimes I get a little mixed up in my head but have been tied to both uh, Cade Cavalli out of Oklahoma John Gray's old stomping grounds and Carmen Majinski you nailed it. It is Majinski. That's right. Let's go. Now, spell it. Look at me. Look <laughs> at not. me. Keep I, your eyes locked I, down. Come on. <laughs> this was a game they played on the NFL draft. I don't think we're going to do any spelling. We're going to do All some right. names. What? Stuff. How about this? What are the first two letters of Carmen Majinski's name? And not his last name. C-A. Damn it. <laughs> now you got it. M- ML. L- M- M- so that's it. You're and then the J is out. right there, right? M- G- there's no J in his name. Oh, of course there's not. <laughs> it's M-L-O-D-Z-I-N-S-K-I, I think, maybe. Brzezinski. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Uh, so what, what do you think of these college pitchers? Uh, do you think the Rockies would take the strategy of, of reaching back, saving some money, maybe grabbing one of these guys with the ninth pick? Um, or do you think it's possible they fall back and are available at 35? Yeah, I think it's it's more likely that they're going to fall at 35. I, I don't I don't think, you know, Colorado's really going to try to get too cute in this draft. They they ultimately can't afford to unless there's a guy they just absolutely fallen in love with and they, you know, maybe he's supposed to go 18, something like that and they're they're able to convince them to take less, then they can get creative at 35, but you also don't know who's going to be available at 35. Right. right? The, the guy that they won at 35 might have been there regardless. And and, right. and it, it just it just wouldn't have wouldn't have mattered. And I don't know that Colorado and you know, has enough bargaining, you know, um, tools to to look at a you know a college arm or a high school arm and say, hey, why don't you come here? But you're gonna take this money. That guy and his agent are gonna go, you you need us way more than we need you. Right. So either you meet us at this demand and you pay us at the or don't take it. And the Colorado goes, well, shoot. I mean, if we're just going to pay a guy slot value, you might as well just take the best player that's on the board. So I think Majinski, um, Slade, uh, Stoney, uh, uh, Bryce Jarvis, there's a lot of guys in play at 35 that are really, really enticing, kind of like how Carl Kaufman was last year with their second pick, uh, or rather their second round pick, Tanner Burns, Cade Cavalli, as you said. There's no less than probably six different guys. Yeah. That just talking about starting pitchers that Colorado could look at if 
you know, regardless of what they do at nine, they could go back to the well again and take another college arm because this draft is so deep. And, 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 you know, I, I think some of that depth has to do with, again, the lack of a season. We don't know, you know, which of these guys would have, you know, had a pedigree or rather would have had a, um, you know, characteristics, more of a Detmers of, Hey, he's only going to be a, you know, a, a, a number three starter. Again, that's not so bad if you're if you're going in the the latter rounds, right? If you're a guaranteed number three starter that's going to have a 15 year career, shoot, you're going to sign up and, and take that guy at 35. So we don't know who those guys are yet, but man, to to think that they could get two guys that is going to be a part of their rotation for six consecutive years together in this one draft, that's that's incredibly exciting and. They're going to have that opportunity at 35. There, there's going to be a lot of meat left on that bone for them. And 46. I'm with you. I will be beyond shocked if they don't take a pitcher at 35. Um, there's just too many good ones. Uh, we're, we're not going to be able to talk about every single one who's available. And if we no. talked about 10, they would take the 11th. <laughs> um, 